Now, to start off my sermon, I'd like to ask you a very important question. Has anyone ever brought you some good news and after hearing this good news gave you a remarkable sense of relief? Now, about five years ago, oh, let me tell you the story of how I started uh, working for this church. About five years ago, I came across this job ad for a part-time youth pastor position and I felt God leading me to um, try it out. So I did, send in my resume and they've asked me to come for an interview and I think I did okay in the interview because later on they asked uh, that what they told me that they've decided to put my name forward to the church um, to vote on whether or not um, you guys would like me to be your youth pastor and so at the time I was liaising with Karen Brady and she told me that it'll be on this Sunday that they'll do the vote and then she said she'll let me know the results so uh, I remember distinctly that that Sunday, for some reason, I was at Chatswood and I remember walking back from the car park and I was just about to enter my car when I get the call from Karen. And so I pick up the phone, I'm like, hi, how's it going? And, uh, and Karen told me that um, the, the vote was done and that the church unanimously voted yes to have me um, on board as your <laughs> I hope you don't regret <laughs> what you guys have voted on. Now, Romans um, chapter 10, verse 15 talks about how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Karen, you have beautiful feet. Thank you so much. Now, of course, the kind of good news the Bible talks about isn't talking about the good news of being accepted for a job, although it was uh, really good news for me at the time. And the type of good news that the Bible talks about isn't about like the birth of a new child or who becomes president. The Bible talks about bringing the good news of Jesus to the world. And when you think about it, bringing the good news of Jesus does bring relief for hearers. Amen? Because Jesus offers us hope and eternal life. Just like how hearing Karen's good news brought me relief, hearing the good news of Jesus brings greater and infinite joy and relief to all of us. Now, you guys might remember two weeks ago, Jono shared our vision of Together. Last week, we looked at action. And today, I'd like to tell you why mission is so so important to us as a church. Now, to do this, we're going to think about two important questions about mission. The first one is, why is it important? And the second one is, how then do we do mission? We're going to look at two biblical metaphors that speaks about Christians living as missionaries. The first one is beautiful feet, and the second one is light of the world. Would you all pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for gathering us together this Sunday morning. Thank you, Lord, that we have this privilege to be able to worship you here in this, uh, in this space. And God, I pray your spirit will move in us and speak into um, our lives about why mission is so important and how uh, we can do mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, the first thing you might notice is the juxtaposition going on here. Now, unless you're a foot model, do we have any foot models here? Was that Morgan? Oh, I thought Morgan put her hand up. Um, unless you're a foot model, beautiful and feet don't usually go together. Am I right? 
Now, back in those days, before sneakers were invented, people used to wear sandals and they mostly got around to places via walking. Now, you could just imagine that your feet would get sweaty and your feet would get dirty from walking in the dust and obviously, over time, dirt will get under your toenails as well. That is a very disgusting image. I'm sorry to put it in your head. But for Paul, whenever he thinks about people who bring good news to others, he thinks about those beautiful, dirty, smelly and sweaty feet. It's those feet that take the gospel, which is God's good news, to the world. Let's look back uh, at our passage today. Uh, Paul says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So firstly, Paul talks about how everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's in verse 13, right? The good news is Jesus saves and everyone needs to hear it. Now, let me give you an illustration to show you just how sweet the good news of Jesus is. I'd like you to imagine that you're locked in a prison cell and to make matters worse, you realize that suddenly there are poison gas coming out. So you're about to die, right? Now, the only way, and I promise you, this is the only way you can get out of this prison. This ain't that show, Prison Break. The only way you can get out of this prison cell is if you have the four-digit passcode to unlock the door and then you can walk out freely and you are good. If that is the only way to be saved, you would want that four-digit passcode, won't you? In fact, that would be the only thing you'll be caring about right now. You wouldn't be like suddenly, oh, let me just whip out my phone and go on Instagram. Let me check what kind of brunch my friends are eating today. Or you wouldn't be like, I'm just going to sit back and now like binge six hours of law and order. Like you would want to know what that passcode is and you'll be like desperately trying to punch in all the combinations you can to try and get out of there ASAP. Am I right? But luckily, luckily you hear some footsteps in the distance. It is the sound of Karen's feet <laughs> running towards the prison cell. She's yelling, Rachel, Rachel, I've got the passcode for you. And the passcode is... <clears throat> um, <clears throat> good news is rare. Good news is rare. I thought it was one, two, three, four. Karen, you've done it again. That was, Karen and I have this thing where if she says good news is rare, it means one, two, three, four. It's just our thing. So one, two, three, four, you get out. Wow, Karen, you have done it again. My dear friends, if you're on death row and there is a way to be saved, that is good news. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But Jesus has taken our punishment and he offers us eternal life. That is good news. Now let's stop and think about good news. I wonder if you guys would agree with me that good news is rare. Hear me out. So there are news. 
I've checked today, uh, this morning's headlines and uh, here are some news from today's headlines. Um, huge iPhone change revealed in leak. Vacationing girl three years old orders milk from pool bar in hilarious viral video. This is from Apple News, guys. I'm not making this up. I was actually very surprised. There were no news about the royals today. Not yet, maybe. So there are news, and there are also news we read from our friends, um, status updates and that kind of stuff. So there are news, but there are also lots of bad news. And here are also some headlines from this morning. House fire tears Sydney family apart. Sydney man hit by train and killed while walking along platform. Texas, sorry, Texas shooting. Five dead, 21 injured. There are news and there are lots of bad news, but it's rare to hear good news. Good news that should offer us solutions to bad news. Now, there are also fake good news. For example, ads that give us um, some temporary solutions to deeper issues. So there's news, there's bad news, and then there's fake good news. But there's rarely any good news. Guess what, guys? We have good news. And the Bible is urging us to share this one awesome good news to the world. News that will literally save us. So just like my illustration of being stuck in a, uh, in a prison cell with poison gas coming through, the four-digit password saved me from imminent death. But the good news of Jesus saves us and the world from spiritual death and it gives us eternal life. Jesus commands us to share this good news. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Now let's come back um, to our passage this morning. Paul says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? Paul here emphasizes the part that Christians play. It almost uh, sounds like he's stating the obvious here. If you look at the next diagram right here, we've saved at the top. Here we go. If you look at this diagram, it's just very simple, hey? Paul says that those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they be saved if they do not call on the name of the Lord? And how can they call on the name of the Lord if they don't hear the message first? But how can they hear the message if someone doesn't preach it to them? And then, obviously, how can someone preach it to them if that someone is not sent in the first place? So in other words, mission starts from the feet of those who know the good news. That's you and me. So go out and spread the word. Go out and be heralds of the gospel. Paul used feet as a symbol for taking the gospel to the world. Now today there are so many different ways that we can take the gospel to the world. For example, you can still use your feet, obviously. You can also um, YouTube, you can blog, you can podcast or write a book. You can uh, jump on a plane and fly to another city if you wanted to. But the important thing to remember is the heart of mission is to share the gospel to those who have yet to hear it so that they can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. 
we want to see our church as faithful and fruitful. And at the heart of what motivates us is our desire to share the gospel to everyone around us. We have struck gold and we want to be a generous church that shares God's love and his word to everyone. We are a together church that worships and celebrates God. But we're also a scattered church that goes out and herald the gospel and do good things in Jesus' name. We want to grow in our missional footprint in Hornsby, in the North Shore, New South Wales, and across the oceans to the ends of the earth. Does anyone remember the vision letter that Jono sent out about two and a half weeks ago? They all do, Jono. I know they're a bit tired from lifting their hands. But everyone remembers. And part of the letter under the mission title, this is what it says. Mission continues to be at the forefront of our budgeting and planning and encompasses our world mission strategy. Partner Mobilize Build together with our local involvement in schools and other context-driven programs. We desire to be generous and brave when it comes to gospel mission and know that our most effective mission will always be as we are going as genuine, available disciples of Jesus in our everyday lives. As a church, we are already investing in intentional mission work. For example, we get involved in scripture in local uh, primary and high schools. We are um, involved in Kids Hope and we support and send missionaries overseas. Those are just ex some examples of what our church is already involved in. And we envision that God will bless us with more responsibilities and more initiatives to continue to herald this gospel to even more areas just like what we shared up a bit earlier in our vision casting segment. Our church is passionate about mission and we want to invite you to partner with us in this movement. Our desire is to see every one of us being mission focused and it should start from our everyday lives. All of us have the power to share the gospel to someone. It could be someone you see at work every day or it could be a family member who's yet to know Jesus it could even be your next door neighbor that neighbor who always plays loud music in the middle of the night or that one who has just a weird massive dog or the neighbor and this is my favorite kind of neighbor guys the neighbor who cooks delicious meals every night now you guys have an excuse to go over there and share the gospel to them let me ask you guys where will your feet take you to today? To whom will you share the gospel to once you step out of this church this morning? Now, two years ago, I went to a Christian youth event and the preacher spoke about, um, during the sermon, the preacher spoke about his holiday to the Gold Coast. And when he um, was at the Gold Coast, um, somehow, coincidentally, he bumped into his old high school friend and it was really cool. They got to chat and catch up. And it was just a really good time for them. And after, like, you know, we all know we have to <laughs> go our separate ways. So after that was over, they said goodbye. It was great. See you again. Next time would be awesome. So they left. And then um, about uh, a week or two later, this preacher finds out um, on the news about the um, Dreamworld tragedy. 
on the 25th of October 2016, an empty raft from the Thunder, Thunder River Rapids ride became stuck, causing the raft behind with six people on board to jam against it and eventually flip back on itself. Four people died as a result of this tragedy. One of them was this preacher's old high school friend he just reunited with a week ago. Now, after the preacher shared this story, he said, um, with tears in his eyes, he said, if I knew my friend was going to die the next week, I would have told him about Jesus. What if you knew your friend was going to die next week? What if you knew your work colleague only has a year to live? What if you knew that your aunt won't live past her 50th birthday? Now, the truth is, no one knows how long you'll live. And wouldn't it be nice if someone would share the good news to them? And that's why Paul says, how beautiful, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I love the way Paul encapsulates urgency and hard work when it comes to doing mission. We must take the gospel out of this church and into the world. Now, do you guys know what's the most dangerous line procrastinators tell themselves? Oh, tomorrow. That's a good one. I, had, um, I still have time. Perhaps the most dangerous line missionaries like you and me tell ourselves is, they still have time. Last week, Jono said that the greatest barrier to love in action is inconvenience. I'd like to propose that the greatest barrier to mission could be procrastination. Now, I'll talk a bit more about um, barriers a little, uh, a little bit later towards the end of my sermon. But for now, let's remember to bring the good news to those around us. Let's do it sooner rather than later. Now, the first part of my sermon looked at beautiful feet, <clears throat> which focuses on the why we do mission. We're now going to move into our second part, which is light of the world, to explore how we can do mission. In Matthew 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others and that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus uses a simple yet effective analogy to describe our mission in the world. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus' light is coming. Oh, there it is. And um, something really cool that happens is when you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and then suddenly we start to carry the light of Jesus in us. Isn't that really cool? Now, there are two functions of light, especially in the context 
of our first century hearers. So the first one is light shows us the way. And the second function is that light gives warmth. In the Bible, darkness is usually a symbol for sin and evil, ignorance of truth, death, lies, and the absence of God. Now in the dark, then, just imagine it's all dark, light becomes very bright and it can't be ignored. And it's also very attractive. People are drawn to the light. When Jesus tells us to be light of the world, he's telling us to be visible and to be a shining beacon to the world. Our lives should be attractive, which means that we should model goodness, peace, and love, and so that others would want the lives that we have. I wonder if anyone has ever come up to you and tell you that uh, there's something different about you, but they can't really put their finger on it. Anybody? Well, if they did, I hope you said that it's because of Jesus that your life looks completely different. And because of sin, lots of people are walking around aimlessly, not knowing why they're in the world and what their purpose is. They're distracted by temporary happiness, thinking that it's the answer to all their problems. So as light, we need to point others back to Christ. When we're in a very dark place, like a forest, we hope that whoever has the light will help us shine the way back home. So the light bearer has such an important job. Jesus calls us to places and to go to people where it's still dark. We need to take the gospel to others and we need to guide them back to Jesus. As light also, our church operates on two levels. The first one is that we are literally a light on the hill. Have you guys seen our new building? It's quite elevated, which is really cool. We are a light on the hill. And so we draw outsiders in through genuine worship and authentic community. We love God, we love others, and we make disciples. The second level is that we also go out as light to where God takes us throughout the week. And that's why we say that we are the gathered church, but we're also, at the same time, we are the scattered church. Can you see how, as the body of Christ, we're more than just our Sunday gatherings and our life hub groups? So firstly, light shows us the way. Jesus calls us to guide others back to him. And secondly, light gives warmth. Now, before electricity was invented, when the sun goes down, people used to use fire, such as from candles or maybe oil lamps, as a source of light. So we know that fire gives light, but fire also gives heat. And so as light of the world, Jesus calls us to bring warmth to a cold, dark world. In Romans chapter 1, verses 28 to 32, Paul talks about how humankind has fallen into depravity because of sin. This is what he says. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. 
They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. God was not joking when he said people are so capable of evil. Do you guys agree? Now, you probably know just as much as I do and probably even more cruel stories than I do. But can I just share one story that has recently shaken me to my core? Not too long ago, Netflix uh, released a miniseries called Delhi Crime. And it tells the true story of a violent and extremely horrendous assault and gang rape of two young couples on a bus in South Delhi in 2012. Now, the series... Um, focused on the deputy police commissioner and her team um, to try to catch the criminals. There was no reenactment of what happened on the bus. You see them, um, basically you see them right before they get on the bus and then the next time you see them, you see them on the side of the road and they're um, naked and they're on a ditch, um, almost run over. Um, so in the series, you see that they finally managed to get um, the woman to the hospital, and then she had to describe what happened to her to the deputy police commissioner. And then what she said, in between heavy breathing will make you sick to your stomach. Now, I won't um, repeat what she said because it's just, um, just very hard to say. Um, but uh, when I was just hearing what she said, I almost threw up. How can humankind be so evil? Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not, trying to, um, I'm not trying to set a standard to measure evil. And I don't want to diminish um, any terrible experiences that you may have had. What I'm trying to show is, and I'm quite ashamed to admit this myself, what I'm trying to show is that um, is that watching this series made me realize how a lot of evil and sin in this world doesn't affect me as it should. And because of that, my empathy for others diminishes. We are becoming a society where a lot of bad news become just news to us. We're so used to the violence and suffering that's happening in the world, we don't realize the impact of sin. Right here, right now. Sin and evil should repulse us. When human beings let sin rule their lives, we'll see a world turning inward, dark and cold. Now, all of us have been victims, and most of us are probably still victims of people's selfishness and unkindness. So that's why we need to bring warmth to others. Are you guys with me? Mission involves healing the broken. Just like the story of the Good Samaritan. When the Samaritan saw the Jew lying half dead on the side of the road, he tended to his wounds first. There are lots of people we want to share the gospel to, but at the same time, these people may be metaphorically bleeding and they need us to bandage them up first. So our mission vision actually goes hand in hand with our love in action vision. Because we can't preach the love of Christ um, without loving others too. God's mission was motivated by his love for a lost 
and broken humanity. When Jesus was in this world, he preached about God's kingdom. And at the same time, whilst he was preaching God's kingdom, he was also healing the sick and he was casting out demons. He cared for people's spiritual, emotional, social and physical needs. What Jesus did on the cross redeems us from our sins, yes, but he also redeems us every part of our lives. So as a church, not only do we care about the name of Jesus reached to our community and beyond, but we're also on about blessing others and helping those who need help. So how do we do mission? Well, it's got to be a combination of heralding the gospel and spreading God's love to the world. Now, depending on what context you're in, sometimes spreading God's love have to take precedence before you can share the gospel. Now, you guys already know that we support missionaries who are in countries that can't openly share the gospel, but they find out what the needs are and they try to help out in whatever way they can. Now, one of the missionary couples with us right now, actually, they, uh, they spend most of their time running English classes, cleaning and doing admin work. It doesn't mean that their work is not as effective. They are still bringing light to their part of the world they're serving in. They're, encounter- they're encountering people, they're finding out where their needs are, and they're helping out just as Jesus would too. Now, another example closer to home is uh, youth ministry, something that I'm very passionate about. For me, I love to see dozens of youth committing to Jesus every single term. Who doesn't, right? But uh, the truth is, and I'm so sorry to say, guys, this, is, this part might mean that you regret hiring me now. <laughs> guys, the truth is um, it doesn't happen very often at all. Our youth leaders are dealing with uh, lots of moody teenagers who carry a lot of baggage. If you haven't already noticed, high school really does a number on you. We're constantly trying to understand the world of adolescence and it's changing so rapidly, mostly because of technology. Teens struggle with a lot of issues and if not them, their friends are struggling with issues and then their friends' issues become their issues and it becomes the leader's issues, right? Because we just have to sit and listen to them. All these young people want, well, most of them, all they want is they want someone to hear them out and they want to know that they're not alone in this. Youth ministry is not easy and I really appreciate the time and the emotional energy our youth leaders give to sit and listen to young people. We often don't see um, instant results but we are the light of the world and God calls us to bring good news to the lost and bless them however we can. Now, I'm sure that you're also finding ways to do mission in your context. Sometimes we don't know where to start. Can I encourage you to start by listening maybe? Sit down with a friend and ask them to share their story with you. Now, you might find out some really deep issues they're going through. It might overwhelm you, but we have the power of God on our side. So then maybe you could offer to pray for them. When the time's right, the Spirit may nudge you to invite your friend to church. Give it a go. One of the benefits of uh, inviting your friend to a church community is that instead of being the only light to give warmth to them, 
at church together, look around you all. We are a community of light. We are a community of love-giving people. One light may not be enough, but many lights can help. Hear their story. Find out, help out. Offer to pray for them. Invite them to experience together an authentic, loving Christian community. Now, these are just some of the practical steps that that I've tried um, in my life. God calls us to do mission. He was very explicit multiple times, including the time when Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So if mission is so important and urgent, why aren't we doing it? Now, one time, this is not too long ago, I was talking to a few young adults um, from this church, and we were discussing this dilemma, it's an important dilemma, about if you see someone with running makeup or they have food stuck in their teeth, would you tell them? Ophelia's like, yes, I would. (laughs) Ophelia, good on you. Now, the dilemma, of course, is um, it's a bit awkward to point out something that could be embarrassing for them. And if it embarrasses them, it might embarrass you. So why aren't we doing mission? Maybe some of us might feel embarrassed. We don't want to point out to them that sin is serious and we need to deal with it. Otherwise, there'll be terrible consequences. Now, another reason could be we just don't care about anyone except ourselves. We're busy doing our own thing or we're distracted by other priorities. But mission should be our priority. Mission is not optional. And thankfully, the other good news is that Jesus promises us to be with us always. At the end of Matthew 28, he says, And surely I'm with you always at the very end of the age. Don't forget that. Now let's summarize our message today. We focused on two important questions about mission. Why is it important? And how do we do mission? Paul says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Mission is important because it's a matter of eternal life and death. The gospel needs to be shared urgently. And secondly, Jesus calls us to be light of the world. We need to guide others back to him. And we need to bring warmth into this cold, dark world. I'm going to leave you with these words from Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 to 9. It's, uh, it's actually quite uh, confronting And it could make some of us uncomfortable. And I'm actually quite hesitant to read this from the pulpit. But but it's God's word and it should be heard. So God, uh, God says to Ezekiel, Now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways... Then they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent, and they don't repent, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. My dear friends, God is making us watchmen and watchwomen for the people of Hornsby. And God is making us watchmen and watchwomen for the people uh, in your family, 
for your friends, for your colleagues. If we fail to tell them about the gospel, God will hold us responsible. We're about to move into a time of communion, but I think it'll be good, um, just finishing on that note, I think it'll be good if we can spend about 30 seconds to a minute just to reflect on our message um, this morning. Karen's going to play some background music there and we'll get ready for communion.